Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, it's Sophie here, producer of the Vice Guide to Right Now. I just wanted to let you know that we're taking a short summer break this week. But we're still here. We've chosen four of our favorite episodes from the archives for you to listen to. So here's one of them. I hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, or good morning, if you are the type of person that listens to podcasts in the morning. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best advice. I'm Chris Hardy. Today we're talking to my good friend Diana Tourget about Caitlyn Jenner and her quest for acceptance and the controversies that have ensued. When Caitlyn Jenner came out as transgender in 2015, she expanded public awareness of transgender identity in the U.S. probably more than any other individual in our nation's history. Like, remember her interview with Diane Sawyer? Well, more than 17 million people watched that. And I still remember the way she looked on the cover of Vanity Fair, which, by the way, sold more than 400,000 copies, like newsstand copies, like paper. 2015, everyone's crazy for Caitlyn, but since then her relationship with the trans community has become kind of contentious. Critics say that her political conservatism and privileged status as a white, wealthy person compromise her involvement in the movement for trans rights. Caitlin's story is complicated, and in her interview with Diana, she opens up about her mistakes, her family, and her journey to becoming a better person. And whether you love her, hate her, or find yourself somewhere in the middle, Diana's profile on Jenner asks us to see her complexity and the nuance in her story. So here's Vice Executive Editor Dory Carr-Harris speaking with Diana. For anyone who isn't aware, although I'm sure it's a pretty small fraction of the population, who is Caitlyn Jenner? Caitlyn Jenner is the athlete formerly known as Bruce Jenner, who is one of America's largest icons of male identity and athleticism of the 20th century who went on to be married to Chris Kardashian and was the patriarch of the Kardashian family throughout that incredibly famous family's reality television series, Keeping Up with the Kardashian. She came out in 2015 as transgender and has since incited criticism of all kinds across the spectrum as she's worked in many ways to achieve the goals that she has now as she's living her true self. So what made you want to write about Caitlin and why now? Well, I'm transgender and um, I'm a journalist. I think a lot about issues that affect our community and from the moment that Caitlin came out in 2015, I, like the rest of the world, was blown away by this incredible phenomenon. Um, it seemed so surreal that this male icon in the United States should be coming out as transgender at this moment of a transgender reckoning in the country where we were having already a whole movement 
And so it just shocked me that the country's own history of what it thinks it is in terms of its own ambassadors of gender could be upturned in that way. And also the fact that at that point she was at the helm of the Kardashians show, and I had never seen that before, but was familiar with it. Um, So it was immediately feeling that this person is incredibly important solely because of the level of access they have to American homes and intergenerational American families who will know that name where they might not know the name of Laverne Cox or Care. Um, They might know the name of Bruce Jenner and Care that she's coming out. I always viewed her as incredibly significant and continued to follow her as the rest of the country did over the next coming years. And I always wanted to write about her, but I didn't have the connection for a long time. And I also was interested in seeing sort of how she handled things and what came and the myriad controversies that came and went and always feeling like my opinion and my perspective remained somewhat different than the popular narrative that I was seeing. And so my interest in finally one day being able to weigh in and tell a story that I feel like the rest of my community was missing, that stayed with me for a long time. And the decision to tell the story last fall was, um, Caitlin was dealing with the controversy at Eleganza at that time. And I think it was an opportune moment for her to welcome someone who's transgender into her life, who she had heard of before. I had met her a month prior, and maybe that was a good opportunity to try and talk to someone else because it was really the first time she'd done an in-depth interview with a trans woman. Yeah. And so just to go back a little bit, what is Eleganza and what was the controversy that she was dealing with when you guys first met? Um, So when I met Caitlin in California last fall, she was set to receive an award from St. John's, which is a healthcare provider in LA that gives health care to transgender people in counties around Los Angeles. And Caitlin had given them a couple different donations, one of which was through her foundation that she launched that spring called the Caitlin Jenner Foundation. And they were honoring her as someone who was supporting the cause at this community event, which was then protested by some members of the LGBT community in Los Angeles, um, namely a black trans woman named Ashley Marie Preston, who felt and had historically felt that Caitlin's involvement in the community was disingenuous and toxic and that her support of Donald Trump and her republicanism, you know, made her an inherent enemy to the cause. And so Caitlin's controversy was having to deal with trying to receive this recognition of her contribution to the community at the same time as she was facing the continued rejection from some members of the community who didn't believe that she should have access to those spaces or be recognized. So why do you think that it's been so difficult for members of the community to accept Caitlin into their midst? I think in the beginning, she was met with acceptance and quickly began to lose that as people realized that she was not falling 
in line with the more traditional political identity that the community tends to share. And what is that? The transgender community in the United States largely identifies with leftist politics, certainly is largely opposed to republicanism, absolutely uh, largely opposed to Donald Trump and his divisive campaign for presidency. And that is because the Republican Party has historically enacted policies in states across the country that have wreaked havoc on the lives of transgender people, people of color, people living in poverty, and people who have immigrated to the United States. There's very good reason that the transgender community understands the Republican Party to be an enemy. Mm -hmm. And Caitlin obviously broke this mold. She is a Republican, openly identifies as one, and prior to the 2016 election was a Trump supporter. You guys talked about this over the course of your time together. How is she feeling now? A year and a half since the election, almost. You know, I think that we've been able to see very much like what Trump's policies about uh, the transgender community are, how he's viewed members of that community, and clearly what he thinks their rights should be. How has Caitlin been dealing with this sort of harsh reality? It's disappointing to anybody who cares about trans rights for someone with that level of social capital to lend that platform to the support of Donald Trump. And Caitlin once did, though she does not today. You know, the Trump administration removed all mention of LGBT initiatives from their website. The Trump administration has worked against transgender people by rescinding protections that Obama had put in place during his administrations to try and reduce discrimination across different social institutions from healthcare to education. Caitlin has seen that and she understands it and I think she's very disappointed and now feels that he has been the worst president in history for trans people, feels that he set the trans community back 20 years and told me that she could not support him for re-election. So do you think, like, as her politics begin to shift, seemingly, that there is potentially some hope for members of the trans community who initially sort of lost that sort of admiration for her to gain it back again or to, you know, one day accept her more into the community? Absolutely. I think that there is opportunity for everyone in this country to bring a greater level of nuance into their thinking and to the way that they understand people who are in the public eye, that they are forming opinions about and who matter in the sense of their cultural capital. Caitlin's never going to be someone who doesn't have significance in pop culture. And she's not going to go away. She's also someone who's probably never going to stop identifying as Republican. And in that way, she may never be able to reach the hearts of individuals who view an alliance with the Republican Party in any capacity as an immediate 
excommunication or as, as something that justifies excommunication. But I think that that is really troublesome because when you look at Caitlin's attitudes towards policy and the things that she wants to do in terms of politics with her money and with her platform, she is contributing to many things that people would understand to be politically progressive. She has donated through the MAC Cosmetics Company. She has collaborated with them to donate $2 million to organizations that serve the transgender needs of people across the country, organizations that are certainly not Republican-led and certainly not um, conservative interests, in fact, serving populations that are most at risk, trans women of color, trans people who are at risk of suicide, who don't have health care. In Los Angeles, she has donated through her foundation over $100,000 to transgender organizations serving trans women of color and other communities that are at need in that area. And so because of that, I like to think about Caitlin's politics, like all of our politics, which is a bit not black and white, that even though she identifies as Republican, her actions are both progressive and conservative. She supports the Republican Party. She goes to log cabin events. She tries to lobby Republicans to be more open-minded to LGBT issues. But she also is then giving money to organizations that are probably very politically opposed to Republican initiatives and are actively working against things that the Republican Party is trying to do. And in that way, Caitlin is contradictory. And I think that that is an access point to understanding her humanity because we're all contradictory. So rather than trying to hold Caitlin up as being ultimately good or ultimately bad, being able to recognize her as imperfect, as ourselves as imperfect and complicated, contradictory people, and that she is trying her hardest to do good for communities that she has no connection to, namely transgender women of color and people who are living in poverty. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, obviously her personality now and who she is and her identity has been formed over the course of her entire lifetime prior to transitioning when she was Bruce and now as Caitlin. So it's interesting to see that evolution because, you know, we all understand our own identities to be created over the course of our lives and if you were to come out as transgender or queer or even as a Republican, transition that other way, it's something that has been a process. And she has been living with these multiple identities. And this is something that she talks about over the course of the piece for many years and for her entire life. So as a white man of incredible privilege, not only wealthy and successful, but also an Olympian. So it's that additional level of like, you know, great human prowess and someone who is very connected to their body in a way that most of us aren't. That identity is is still very much ingrained in her. And I think that's what's very compelling as you read this piece is to understand how the elements of her previous identity or who she was before she came out as transgendered and fully transitioned are still present in her and how she is reconciling with that and also how she's trying to use that confidence, that privilege that she still has to, as you say, support 
communities that are less privileged or to which she doesn't have a direct connection. And I think even that is still controversial, but I think we can certainly understand in this piece what the source of her actions are. And I think, you know, what I would love to talk to you a little bit more about is just what the experience of spending three days with her was like. You know, what's she like off camera? What's her home life like? What were some of the funny or surprising things that you weren't expecting, even having done a lot of research and watch I Am Kate and and Keeping Up with the Kardashians? You know, I always like to say that Caitlyn Jenner is as if your Republican grandpa transitioned. You know, (laughs) (laughs) she probably wouldn't be the brightest on the up-and-coming political ideas that we're having in our generation. But she's doing a lot more than I think a lot of Republican grandpas who transitioned might do to try and get hip to the cause that um, we're so galvanized around today. Meeting Caitlin, she's a good person in the sense that she listens to what you say. She is generous. She was very kind to me and real. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've interviewed a lot of trans people across the political spectrum. And uh, some are more publicity-oriented than other people. And Caitlin wasn't like that. And I think that that might be a misconception people have, that everything that this person is saying or doing is for the publicity And I could tell that Caitlin was just being herself with me. And I appreciated that because it gave me an opportunity to really get a sense of who this person is. It's hard to say I know her because I spent only three days with her. But I would say I'm getting to know this person. And in my brief introduction, I recognized that what you read about online and in the media isn't what you get when you're in this person's home, spending time with them. She has a good sense of humor. She is very curious. She wants to know more about things that she doesn't know about. I was kind of shocked at how much she seemed to really care about the struggles of other people. She really supports the Trans-Latina Coalition in Los Angeles, and they are an incredibly important organization run by trans-Latina women who are working hard against the detention of transgender women who are immigrating to the United States who often move here out of necessity because it's dangerous from the countries that they're coming from to live openly as transgender. And she, she gave them money, and she has their T-shirt, and she um, had lunch with them and supports them. And and that's the thing that people need to understand. It's easy to think the trans community doesn't accept Caitlyn, but that's not completely true. The Trans-Latina Coalition accepts Caitlyn. At least the people I spoke with suggested that they did, and Caitlyn suggested that they did. Jasmine Creighton, who's a black trans woman who is also receiving an award at Eleganza, accepts Caitlyn and is working with her actively and is supportive of her and views her experience as important. Many transgender people in LA who are actually involved in nonprofit work and working doing activism on the daily for the community who've benefited from Caitlin's generosity or have crossed paths with her do support her. 
much of the criticism comes from other areas of the community that might not actually have as much direct contact, which is not to say that all of the criticism is coming from people who don't know her. Of course, some people who know her have criticized her. That being said, my experience with Caitlin, I walked away from it feeling like this person is complicated. She is not perfect. There were things that made me shake my head that she said that didn't make sense to me politically because I'm a very progressive person. But I was able to tell her that. Mm -hmm. And she didn't shut me down. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think that you were able to challenge her in ways that, you know, previous reporters might not have, um, or you were able to speak from your own experience in a way that they wouldn't have been able to? And did that sort of change the dynamic and how? Being trans and being a journalist who reports a lot on trans subjects is a huge advantage because the transgender community is often concerned about talking to the press because the press often is not coming from a place of information around transgender issues. So I always have an easier rapport with my subjects who are transgender than I think another non-transgender reporter might. That being said, Caitlin isn't exactly like that. Caitlin will be open and honest and raw with anyone who talks with her. That's my gauge from what I've seen in other interviews with her, from what I've seen on her show. She's someone who loves to argue who loves to share her opinion and self-proclaimed is interested in talking things out. Whenever people criticize her, she always asks, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. So I think that it was easy for Caitlin to do that with me, but it would have been easy with anyone. But because I'm trans, we had extra information about our own experiences that made those conversations even more insightful. And, you know, obviously, like, Caitlin has lived a very privileged life, but she talks about in this piece sort of some of the negative consequences. In addition to the divisive relationship with the trans community, she also has become alienated for the most part from her family. What did she share with you and how do you think this is affecting her? And do you think that there in the future is a, a way where they can, you know, accept her again into their lives? You know, I think of people like Caitlin who live their lives as straight men and then transition later in life um, a bit differently than I often see them portrayed in the media. Trans women like Caitlin are often seen as having lied to their families for a very long time, and she's the first to admit that she had to or that she chose to. But I want people to understand that trans women who make that decision are doing it selflessly. Part of it is self-preservation. Part of it is self-interest. Because you know, if I transition when I'm a child, when I'm a teenager, when I'm a young person, keep in mind this was the 60s, 50s, 70s. It was not exactly as easy as it is today. It's an incredible risk that society is placing someone in at that point in their life to make that decision. You're going to potentially lose out on having a life at all if you follow through with your transition. So for someone like Caitlin to make the decision to become Bruce, to create this character and become a family man that she wanted to have a family, she wanted to be able to fulfill the role that her family surely wanted her to fulfill as their son to be that man that America wanted her to be was an immense sacrifice on a spiritual level and an emotional and a mental health level. That's often missed when people criticize trans women who come out later in life because they feel like, well, why did you have to lie for so many years? And it's true. 
the cisgender women who engage in relationships with trans women like Caitlin and invest their lives and their families into them are not dealt a good hand, right? Your partner at the end of this decades together comes out and tells you that they've been keeping this secret about who they are from you the entire time, it's devastating. Of course, that would destroy a relationship or could threaten to destroy a relationship. But in my mind, the real... Um, person who's responsible at that is in part the transgender person, but it's also society. And it's more importantly and more fundamentally the society that made it so that that trans woman had to put herself in a position not to come out and not to be forthcoming about who she was. And in that way, retained her identity from the people that she loved in order to protect them, in order to be the person that they needed her to be so that she could have that love so that she could love the person that she married, so that she could raise children that she loved and not have to be denied having that life because if she came out as trans from being age, she probably wouldn't have found a wife or had children with them. And then later, once those children exist and that relationship is existing, you know, not having to destroy it by telling them, guess what, I've, I did all of this, but there's a part of me that I was never able to share. So I have deep empathy for people like Caitlin who did that and took on the burden of concealing their identity for the sake of their family their entire lives. Um, since coming out, she has experienced an incredible rupture between her family. And I think that, you know, she talked to me about it. She hasn't spoken with many of them in a very long time. She tries to maintain and told me that she does maintain a reasonably close relationship with the two children that she had with Chris, um, Kendall and Kylie. And that made me happy to hear. Um, she cares about her kids so much. And it's heartbreaking to her that she's lost contact with them. You know, I have no idea what the future holds for it, but I'm heartened to know that it seems that her youngest children, who she's actually biologically the parents to, as well as her earlier biological children that she had before she was with Chris Kardashian, are quite close to her in her life. So she's not completely isolated. And the trauma sort of stems theoretically from this sense of betrayal or dishonesty for the most part? The Kardashians came out very heavily on their show, um, which I think we can understand the Kardashians show to be their... Um, soapbox. Their or like, soapbox yeah. or megaphone. That's yes. the term I was looking for. Like, it is produced by them. They are portraying themselves in that series. So we have to understand that the things they're saying on that show are the messages that they want to be sharing with the world. And they immediately decried Caitlyn once her book came out in a way that, to me, as a viewer who's watched the entire Kardashian series from episode one to the end, um, as well as I Am Kate and everything else you could consume about this family that exists, was frankly shocking. What Caitlin says about them in her book is fairly generous. And to me, it's not that scathing. And I've struggled to understand how the family could lambast her the way they have. They said that she was mean and a bad person and that she had, you know, sold them all out. And as someone who objectively was reading the source material to try and understand where those claims were coming from, I didn't really feel like what they were saying was reflective of what was actually said there. Caitlin expressed to me a similar kind of bewilderment 
it was her intention, according to Caitlin, to be as generous as she could to the family and not make the book about them because it was about her. And they're really not in the book very much at all. It's really about Caitlin and her life. And I've never heard the Kardashians talk about the book as as it relates to Caitlin's life. I've only heard them talk about it as it relates to the short passages that refer to them. Mm-hmm. So the story's been out for a few days now. What has the reception been, both from the media, um, from members of the trans community, from Caitlin herself? This piece was in six months in the making. We worked really hard to get it out. And um, what I hoped for with this piece was not to convince anyone that they should feel a specific way about Caitlin, but that whatever your preconceived notion is, you can read this and walk away feeling that you have a bit more of a nuanced understanding about this story. And whatever opinion you retain or come away with at the end of the piece is perfectly fine and you are entitled to. But now we maybe have a more nuanced perspective. That was my goal. And so the initial feedback, that was achieved and it made me really proud and feel like we did what we set out to do. (laughs) After that, the tabloid press picked up this story. It has been covered by... I think more than a dozen, perhaps dozens of outlets um, from People to E and Bravo and elsewhere. And what concerns me is when aggregated stories focus on one aspect, one out of context quote, and that readers then don't necessarily do the work to find out where that quote's coming from, the context in which it was said, and give themselves the opportunity to capture all the information that's available to them. So I do have concern that when this story has been amplified on such a large scale outside of the original source material, that these other stories could potentially just work to reaffirm the biases that people already had, rather than to encourage complicated, nuanced thought, which was this intention of the initial piece. And so what was Caitlin's reaction? Right. Um, Caitlin called me and she told me that she liked the piece, which made me really happy because I wanted to write something that would touch everyone who read it. And if it could touch Caitlin too, that made me feel like I did a good job. Not just for her, but for everyone. Because I think anybody can read this story, whether they hate Caitlyn Jenner, whether they worship Caitlyn Jenner, or they're in between. I think anyone can read the story and walk away with something new. To read the full story and check out the beautiful photo spread that goes with it, go to broadly.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.